Let's Talk Home Repair is sponsored by Matriarchy Build, who provide tele-DIY services connecting homeowners to vetted pros for one-on-one video consultations. Visit matriarchybuild.com to get guidance on projects as small as a leaky faucet or as big as a home remodel. You can even book a session with Amy themselves. Visit www.matriarchybuild.com. Tele-DIY. Like telehealth? Yeah. Cool. I know. I'm Alicia, homeowner. And I'm Amy, general contractor. And we're talking home repair. Today we have a special guest. Amy, tell us about it. Kanoor Bahal. Hi there. How are you? Hi. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you here. So Kanoor um, has had a couple of bathroom renovations done in the couple, past couple of years, and we have been honored to do those for her. And she's also an author with a new book out. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Yay. Um, but to start off with, tell us a little bit about yourself, Kenora. Where, where, where do you come from? Uh, I grew up in rural Ohio, child, daughter of um, Indian immigrants. Um, spent my entire 18 years growing up there in one place. My parents live in the same house. But the second I could... I left. <laughs> yeah, so I'm definitely a city girl at heart um, and have, over the years, wended my way to Seattle, where I am now, for good, it seems. Yeah. What is your day job, if you yeah, want to say that? my day job. So I actually am an entrepreneur. So I have my own small business called Yay. Mind Hatch. Thanks. Yeah. Um, and uh, what I do is innovation and creativity consulting. So very much working with other businesses, nonprofits, corporates, and all. Uh, foundations, any type of organization, and helping them to create cultures of innovation, mindsets of innovation, uh, and even kind of tactical, okay, let's develop an innovative solution for your customers. Yeah. Um, and I'm also really pleased to say that I have um, an improv application for diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is a diversity and inclusion improv show called White Privilege, Black Power. Mm. Interesting. Wow. Great. Yeah. And where does that happen? Oh, um, it happens virtually right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. And where, where can they find out more information about that? Oh, thanks for asking. You can go to mindhatchllc.com. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Okay. Two big reasons why she's here today. And I'm excited <laughs> to hear about both of them. I want to hear more about your renovation project. Sure. Oh, well, there's two of them. Yeah. So I, um, two bathrooms, both bathrooms in my home that I own. And uh, yeah. And so like my, um, I guess my renovation journey began, you know, when I bought the house with my now ex-husband. And, um, uh, is and it what broke you up? No, it isn't actually. <laughs> it's so easy to think that, you know, even well, my that's parents the, made some assumptions. We ask, you know, <laughs> yeah. it is right. Yes, we do ask people because to say, that, "Is your relationship ready to do a renovation?" Yeah. Right? No, I babies, finances, and <laughs> renovations are yeah. you know, three horrible things for a relationship. I know it was none of those things that broke up the marriage. Actually, so I mean, we were like pretty compatible in the renovation side of things. Good, good. Um, yeah, even in design choices and all of that, it was not a source for argument. Um, but um, but yeah, so I, I moved in the house like about four years ago and definitely knew there was a lot of deferred maintenance in the house, but also definitely like the downstairs guest bathroom, Amy, I'm sure you remember, was like a nightmare from the 80s. It was like black toilet, black tile everywhere, nice. like a mix of like chrome and brass <laughs> fixtures, like... When I moved in, I I thought it would be, oh, that's the first thing we're going to change. 
And then it wasn't the first thing. And the more I lived there, I was like, this is kind of funny. I kind of like it. Like I kind of enjoyed, <laughs> I enjoyed having guests over who maybe didn't know us that well. And then them going into this like cocaine yeah. adult <laughs> bathroom and then coming out and just being like, who are these people? Like, you know? like had a couple <laughs> personal touches so that yeah. it was truly yours. But just I was like, thinking about just like leaning into it and like putting a disco ball on the ceiling. Yeah. You like, almost had one with that light fixture. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the light fixture that was in there was, yeah, definitely, yeah. almost. Yeah. So you bought the house knowing that you were going to redo bathrooms and maybe yeah. some other things. Yeah, too. not immediately, but knowing that it was going to be like a forever home, right? And that mm. in time we would we would tackle both bathrooms. So that was the the downstairs bathroom, which is a guest bathroom, really tiny. Uh, I always say that like what I've learned is that, you know, renovations are like, it's a game of inches, I think that right. bathroom, it was a game of centimeters. Right. <laughs> um, it was like very small, but I'm so happy with it. It's beautiful. What pushed you over the edge to moving forward on that project? God, I'm trying to think back. I mean, I'm sure it was just timing. I'm sure it was making sure we had the money to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and what were your first steps? Because you yeah. weren't going to do it, right? Well, I mean, that's kind of like a half joke where I was like, do you really want to do this? Should we do the, all the other stuff first, you know? But I mean, <laughs> so you personally I, weren't going to do the work. Oh, no. Okay. I, oh my God. Okay, so I I grew up in a family that we didn't even own a lawnmower. I my dad was like, outsource that shit. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I do not come from handy people. Gotcha. As much as I aspire to be independent <laughs> and all of that, like... <laughs> I know my limits and I know when to outsource it. No, there was never a conversation about DIYing anything. <laughs> Which yeah. actually makes your life, Amy, a little easier. Oh, right. <laughs> Rather Just than move trying out of the to work. Yeah. Like, Kenora, you need to step over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You're in the way. I'm See you in a couple weeks. Very happy to yeah. delegate. I've never nice. had a problem with delegating. I'm like, I believe in expertise and I know what I'm not an expert in. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. Yeah, so DIYing was never uh, never going to be the thing that we would do. Yeah. And so did Amy do that bathroom as well? Yes, and yeah. how did you find Amy Works? So when I first moved to Seattle, like really, really early on when I moved here, nearly five years ago, I had heard about Amy Works. I'm forgetting through who, like maybe a cousin or a friend I had here. And I immediately was like, oh, my God, a woman-owned contract company. <laughs> oh, my God. And I was like. I get that a lot. Do you? I know. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I was so excited. I remember I first called Amy Works up because I was like, I wanted like a handy woman. And, and I think you all were so busy at the time that you weren't really doing smaller jobs. Um, but I always knew I was going to use you for the bathrooms. Something that Amy yeah. Works quit doing. Oh, yeah. The handy. Handy stuff. The they handy went stuff. to renovations. Yeah, we still do it a little bit. But, but yeah. Yeah, not, not all the time. Um, yeah, and so I, I'd had a, a really frustrating experience with a male handyman, and um, just required a lot of emotional labor. So I have a I have a female handywoman now, which who I love. Um, but uh, she's coming to my place this Thursday, actually, for some stuff. Um, but yeah, so I'd heard about Amy Works early on, and I was like immediately smitten. <laughs> so when it, when it came time to do the downstairs bathroom, which is the first one. Just rung you all up. And I, and I remember like the first time Amy came into the home, I told my cousin later on, I was like, it was like having a celebrity in my house. <laughs> <laughs> like, like that's how I felt. I was like, I was so excited to meet her. <laughs> like, yeah. That's the best ever. Oh my God. I'm never going to get her head 
<laughs> to fit in this doorway again. <laughs> yeah, this is Amy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My employees don't like that, however, that the name of the business is Amy Works because oh, yeah? they get asked all the time, are you Amy? Oh, really? No, I'm Susan. <laughs> and I say, it's Susan's like, okay. Susan's fabulous too, by the so way. So yeah. if you go to Wendy's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, right? Right. Okay, right. that's enough said. <laughs> now, what was it like meeting me, Amy? Do you remember that? It was great. I <laughs> yeah. so remember. You have no recollection. <laughs> I think I actually handed you off to a designer. Yes, you did. Right? Yeah. I, I came in and we looked at it. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if I came and looked at it first, hmm. but I think I said, you need a designer because you didn't know what you wanted. You just yeah. said, I want this bathroom done. Actually, I remember that first phone call about the bathroom was really helpful to me because I had no concept. Again, new homeowner, Mm -hmm. no idea what I'm doing to this day. You know, I'm learning everything for the first time. Um, But it was really helpful that first conversation because that's where I learned the difference between like contracting and design. Yes. And like now I know that there are such things as design and build firms. Mm-hmm. But like some are just build and some are just design. And so that was like really illuminating. And I was like, okay, yeah, who do you, who do you know that's mm-hmm. wo- a woman you know, mm-hmm. that I can yeah. work with? Yeah. And then you went and worked with her and then yeah. I came back in and we started working on the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. Was there anything particularly problematic or interesting about that bathroom or was it pretty straightforward? She said it was pretty well, small. The the fact that the house is a hundred years old, it, like over, I think it's like nineteen oh six or nineteen oh seven. Yeah, that built. that in yeah. itself is problematic. You start opening the wall, and you've got this big vent that comes up, and <laughs> you're trying to tile around it. Um, and there was, Kanor wanted a big shower and a cabinet. It's like. <laughs> I don't know no. how you're going to get both. We, we did it, though. We the did. The proportions we, are perfect. We I, did do it. I used that bathroom for months while the upstairs bathroom was being renovated. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. We, it, it, it happened, and it turned out really well, and there was a lot of measuring and tiny toilet. Yeah, that was, there was like one toilet in the world that, that would, would work fit. in that space. Custom. Mm. Because it was in the, because it's narrow. The, the the bathroom is narrow and there's the door on the shower. So mm. the, to, the the toilet had to be small enough to be able to swing the door open. Mm-hmm. And we had to have the cabinet that was in the corner. And it was interesting. So really small. Yeah. It so was almost in, water closet small, but you put a shower in there. Well, there was already that. a shower in there, actually. There was already a shower. Made, so, we, so maintain yeah. that rather yeah. than just having We kept like, the exact same, like, is it called footprint mm-hmm, or whatever? Like, right. we didn't, like, move locations of anything. Because I don't think we could. Like, the mm-hmm. toilet had to be where it was no matter what. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, um, so you get a shower yeah. in there where there was no, no other way. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I think, like, we, we did make the shower a little bit bigger than the mm-hmm. original one. Because um, the original one had this like open shower stall and next to it was like a terribly used space. They had this like shelf that only went like halfway up mm-hmm. and it was open shelving, of course, covered in black tile. And um, <laughs> so it was glorious. Um, you knew they had black towels too. I know. Probably. They had this like shelving, built in shelving um, that, you know, in hindsight, like was just a terrible waste of space because there was like all this height above it that was not being used and so we did manage to squeeze a couple extra inches out of like the shower and then also built a, the cabinet you know um from floor to ceiling pretty much and so it's it's amazing storage. and the designer helped you with that piece of it yeah mm-hmm, and how long sure. did that process take oh god i'm trying to think like 
It took a while. I want to guess like four or five months. I don't know. It Here's the a- thing about me that was really surprised me. So I, I am like, uh, this isn't surprising, but I am a detail-oriented person and I'm a deadline-driven person. Mm-hmm. So I was really stealing myself to be like, Okay, here working with contractors. Be prepared to be annoyed all the time, <laughs> you right, know. Right. And um, and I actually really thankfully surprised myself during both these bathroom renovations, where I was like, well, Amy maybe differs, but like I feel like <laughs> I was more chill than I was expecting to be because I just kind of was like, nothing's out done on time. I just went in with that expectation, you know, and. Also, just like getting a new bathroom is such a privilege that I was just like really excited about, you know. Sure. So, um, um, so yeah, I was I was pleasantly surprised at how like it wasn't like crazy stressful for me and like worrying about things that thankfully are the contractor's job to worry about. So, right? Yeah. Was that your perception as well? That that was, and we've talked about that also, mm. being prepared for some things not to work. Yeah. You know, to mm-hmm. to have delays and exactly, you know that. Something's always going to go a little sideways. Yeah, and I try to explain that mm-hmm. to, to clients as well that there's that there's always something, and then there's the curve, right? As you're starting the job, your emotions are up, and and mm. then you get to about drywall, and, and you're like, <laughs> you're ready I for it to hate be done. this. <laughs> I really hate this, and then it goes a little bit. Yeah, so. I don't recall there being any huge issues or anything. Um, you were ready for us to leave when it was time to leave. And I'm always <laughs> no, yeah, ready I mean, for us to be done, too. It's yeah. like, come on, let's just finish this up. Let's get out. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm sure maybe some final decisions were made real quickly just for the sake <laughs> right. of, like, let's, let's just do it. Pick let's one. call it done. Yeah. <laughs> the handles yeah. are fine. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we got done with that. And then... Um, we had talked about doing your second bathroom, but you yeah. know, she just spent quite a bit of money on the first one, and mm-hmm. and then um, and then got so divorced. We'll wait. So right, <laughs> yeah. Oh, so the main bathroom is post divorce. Yes, yes. All yeah. her, all her choices. Yeah. Wow. So. Does that feel kind of different? You know, it's weird. Like I didn't make too many different choices than like, than like we you already said, you were made. Compatible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Choices. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's my bathroom now. <laughs> I mean, every time I walk into it, I'm like, this is my palace, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, I know a lot of the decisions that my ex and I had made together kind of stayed the same, you know, mm-hmm. because we'd already done the legwork, you know? So it was like... And so it, you had designed the second bathroom together? We had designed it. We had made a lot of material selections. Yeah, we knew a lot of that. And then it was just a matter of putting a pin in the actual start because of, you know... I like, you know, obviously needed to like pay a little bit of money to keep the house, you know, and like refinance the house. And I was like, okay, maybe that's enough for 2020, you know, (laughs) and um, maybe that's my big thing in 2020. And, uh, and then of course the pandemic, you know, I, it, it just took me a while as it did, I'm sure everyone to figure out my comfort level and a crew's comfort level with being in and out of someone's home, you know, for Mm -hmm. long periods of time. So I think by the end of last year, Obviously, I knew more about the risks and all of that, and so I felt more comfortable with it. Yeah. And how long did that project take? Oh, it's still happening. We're not. Done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think we are you in. I, I think we are in the final, 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 yeah, final phase. I so keep punch I, lists. I keep saying still? that we are like ninety nine point nine percent done. But that final point one percent is going to have taken like a month and a half to do. <laughs> it's it's awful. It's yeah. we've had we've had issues with the shower. It's not even the door. It's a panel. It's glass a glass panel. panel. Yeah, the that door was, is fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was 
uh, templated incorrectly. Mm. So they brought it in, and it's got this L-shaped. It's got a leg that goes down along, um, you know, like a pony wall of sorts. Mm -hmm. Well, gap up here is three-quarters of an inch. Gap down here is a quarter of an inch. For Some people would never, ever notice that, but... Fortunately, you know, my project manager said, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that is not going to work. Yep. And that wasn't a house thing. That was a, a module thing. That we was built thing that, that wall. Mm -hmm. So that wall was plumb. plumb. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was plumb. And the, the top of the wall was level. So it was, yeah, like, it was just a, <laughs> a mistake. Again, like little, and then we're dealing like with my... Um, um, you know, the material shortages and everything holder. that we're, you know, in the labor. God knows where it is uh, or when it's going to be delivered. So, should I take notes? <laughs> no, no, you're fine. Oh. You're fine. <laughs> this is a me problem because I ordered it from Anthropology, and like there are. Oh, I see. It's it's. it's I thought it was somewhere chain. in chain. No, no, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a supply chain issue. <laughs> and, so, um, and then, um, and then I this past weekend had to go back to the drawing board on like tub fillers. Which is it, it's just one of those like cruel ironies of renovation where like the original tub filler. The day it was supposed to arrive, we were told, oh, psych, it's uh, back ordered for two months. And oh, so we're wow. like, we're not going to wait two months. Mm -hmm. Let's just find a new one. Found a new one. That one got installed. Uh, I turned it on and it kind of like, I, would, I don't want to say it spits water out, but it was like one of those, like, it's meant to be one of those like waterfall, like sheet-esque mm -hmm. um, water things. And it was not sheet-esque. It was kind of sad the way <laughs> the water- sputter kind of a sputter yeah um it was like only full force and like one half of it and the rest of it was kind of like thready you know uh -huh. like um mm -hmm. i was like that doesn't look nice and also that's gonna take a long time to fill up the tub anyway found out the reason was not the filler apparently my entire home just has really low water, water pressure. pressure and to fix that <laughs> would be ten thousand dollars and i'm like oh no thank you so ten thousand dollars yeah no, you have a way? Yeah. All right, well, we'll talk after. Yeah, I was yeah. like, <laughs> tell us, Alicia. I had a home also that had extremely low pressure. Yeah, apparently not, mine is like a 0.4 when like average is 0. 0.6 to 0. 0.8 or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the pressure was from the city was actually fine. Yeah. What was happening was the corrosion oh. of the pipes, and it was a long run. So the corrosion had uh, made it, so you just had this tiny little, uh, you know, access to it. So yeah. by the time you got into the house... So what I did is I put a water tank in there. And so basically it's a 35-gallon water tank that it can take all the time it wants to fill. It can oh. fill up all day. And then there's a bladder in it, so you put air pressure in it, and then it can be any pressure in your house that you want it to be. Wow. And so if you use 35 gallons of water, yeah. you'll be back to that little spit out. But if you're only using 10 to 15 gallons, then, mm. you know, when you stop using it, it just spits out and slowly fills it again. And That's interesting. And that's just um, putting it in between your water main hmm. and then, you know, the next place it goes. That's interesting. Um, can I ask how much that costs? Uh, well, if you ask my dad. Oh, nice. He can get one. <laughs> he almost, he can get one at Menards for uh -huh. like 500 bucks. Nice. And then it's the plumbing. You'd have to pay for the plumbing, but it's really just an in and an out. Yeah. And then, um, it, yeah, it I, should not be because because, you know, it depends on, you know, how fancy you want it to be. Mm -hmm. I can imagine you can spend 10,000. Yeah. And if and maybe they were talking about replacing all your pipes. Yeah. You know, to, you know, go out to your meter to make sure you had nice flow. Yeah. But um, it was so it was flow. It wasn't pressure. Interesting. And the flow can be made, um, made mm. up by a water tank. 
That's interesting. Yeah, I, I was definitely getting the information secondhand, so I'm not going to remember all the details. But I, I do recall that the, the, the city portion was fine. So if you were going to give somebody some advice on, on um, they're going to embark on a remodel, hmm. what, what would you say to them? After, after you've just gone through yeah. two. I actually, my friend asked me this. My friend lives in New York and is hoping to do a bathroom renovation or two in the coming years. And she asked me that same question. She was like, what do you, what do you advise? And I found myself saying to her, among other things, like, be prepared for no one being responsible for anything. Ouch. <laughs> like, yeah. Ouch. Oh, like, Amy. No, 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 no. That's not, that's not personal. That's not personal <laughs> oh, no, at it's all. not personal, but it's business. Yeah. It's like, it's kind of like, okay. I mean, you know, we had some communication and lack of detail orientation on my designer side of things for sure. And uh, for me as like a first time person, I was like, I did not know how to like translate things or I had no clue uh, again first time I had no clue what was the responsibility of a contractor and what was the responsibility of a designer like right. who picks up the tile who doesn't like if this goes wrong who do I call like who's who's supposed to problem solve this and I think oh, across two bathroom renovations I think a lot of it was just like oh I have to figure that out like not the actual solution but I need to be the one proactively asking questions did we solve that problem who's gonna do that yeah and I um yeah I think another thing I would advise was is like um don't think that you can just go away for two weeks while stuff's happening like I remember my realtor actually when we were looking at homes in Seattle um you know we were looking at things that were obviously going to need some fixing up and he was like oh yeah lots of people will just like you know go to Hawaii for two weeks and they come back and it's done and and having been through this even the first time I was like no like I was always there to answer questions you Mm -hmm. know and every day there's questions or there's adaptations or like what do you prefer this or that you know and so I think I would also just advise that of someone it's like be present yeah I think that that would be kind of the couple bits of advice I'd give yeah those are those are great Mm -hmm. those are great all right, so mm. let's talk about your book. Okay. I quit. Yeah, I quit the life-affirming joy of giving up. Tell us, what what prompted you to write a book like this? Yeah, so a couple of things. Um, one was that I, I kind of definitely grew up as this like overachieving, wanting to be accomplished by doing, quote-unquote, the right thing. You know, grew up that way through college, through graduate school, you know, and... Um, and I think it very quickly in my very first job, I realized like, oh, oh no. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's not is, how I'm built. <laughs> yes, exactly. I learned that I was built a different way. And um, it's through a couple of different careers. I kind of deduced like, oh, wait, I'm not someone who's obedient to authority and hierarchy at all costs. And like sometimes doing the right thing just feels wrong. And like, it's not input output in life, you know, and all of these things. And also, as a woman of color, you know, like learning that like, oh, crap, like once you leave school, you are never again in a meritocracy. Mm-hmm. Never, mm-hmm. you know. And so um, long way of saying that like in my 20s, especially is when I really kind of relearned like who I actually was underneath the trying to do the right thing, you know, mm-hmm. and 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 the manifestation of that was quitting, quitting my first job after graduate school. Um, quitting the next job, you know, when it was no longer a right match for my values and what I stood for and, you know, and what I wanted to do with my life. And so I really had this like um, great period of time of like 
quitting being progress for me mm-hmm. and being a positive thing and the end result being that I got to what I wanted in life, labor, and love much more quickly than if I had continued to be someone who like stuck things out because it was the right thing to do or was committed to things for the sake of commitment as opposed to really evaluating if it was the right choice for me, you know? And so the gist of the book really originated from my own kind of realization that quitting was a really empowering thing for myself. And then when I started my company, Mindhatch, I was living on the East Coast, you know, and um, going to like random business meetings with people to tell them about this company I was starting. And like, I people think this is a DC thing. I think it's an American thing. But like, when you meet someone, you kind of just like recite your resumes at each other, right? you know, right. like, because it's all about work, you yeah. know, Americans are all about work. And, and I found myself just being really curious whenever someone would say, then I left that job, or then I decided to not complete that degree, or then I left that city and I'd be like, hold up, tell me more, you know? And from that, I realized I really loved quitting stories. And I found that you can learn a lot about person, about a person based on what they choose to give up, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can learn about their values, their trade-offs, you know, um, what they're willing to put up with in life and what they're not willing to put up with in life. And um, so the, this book is really kind of a, a years-long manifestation <laughs> of that idea I had at this point, maybe six years ago, that I thought I'd never do anything with. Um, And it's a collection of quitting stories. I interviewed um, a lot of people about their quitting stories and what it meant to them, what it meant about them, um, what it helped them achieve in life. Um, And so it's a, every chapter is someone's quitting story um, as told by me um, and interspersed with like my own reflections and some kind of like personal narrative memoir pieces from me as well. I was curious yeah. about that. Mm-hmm. I was curious about the format. So I mm-hmm. had a couple of questions. One, where did you find these people? Yeah. Um, you know, were they just kind of in your milieu? Were they clients? You know, so yeah. like it didn't seem like it was approached as a research project. Yeah. And so you were interviewing folks. Um, you know, so where did you find these folks? Did you leave stories out, mm-hmm. you know, people that you had <laughs> chatted with? Mm-hmm. And I did find it very interesting that you did ruminate you know and mm-hmm. we so did you kind of want it to be a bit of an autobiography it's interesting so okay so the first question was oh where did you yeah, find the folks? where to find the, the folks yeah so like any good entrepreneur you'd start with the friends and family right. round <laughs> right um but you specifically talked to him because you wanted to write a book yes okay it said i'm writing a book that's a collection of quitting stories cool. of how everyday real people summoned the courage to quit things in their life. So I knew I knew the structure of the book already. It was going to be one chapter, one story, one person. And so um, I already knew of some people in my life, in my life who um, had quitting stories to share. And so I maybe specifically reached out to some of them. I also kind of just posted my scheduler on various communities and boards that I belong to saying, hey, I'm looking to talk to people who have quitting stories to share. And I was really thankfully overwhelmed with the response. Wow. Mm. So I, a lot of the stories I heard were from strangers to me. Like the first time we talked or met was when I saw them on that Zoom call last year and we wow. talked about their quitting story. And so it really um, permeated really quickly. And like people were telling their friends and their family and, oh, I know someone, you know. And so it really made the rounds really quickly. Um, and then in terms of did I leave any stories out, boy, did I ever. So... <laughs> Yeah, I interviewed nearly 40 people. Wow. 
And uh, the book ultimately contains 19 stories. And um, I was so, I I remember at one point last year kind of telling my, my editor, I was like, I'm so stressed out. I just... I, I'm spending so much time interviewing people that I'm not having time to write up their stories. And she was like, whoa, whoa, how many interviews are you doing a week? And I was like, like five to eight. Oh, she wow. was like, stop interviewing That's now. Insane. She was you like, have well, what you, you have enough. And I was like, oh yeah. You know, ever the overachiever, I was just like, excited that people want to talk to me. Right, know? right. So, like, I could do volumes. Yeah, yeah. But I also had never I written quit a book before. Two. I didn't know right. how many stories will go in this book. And right. so, so I shut down the Calendly. <laughs> no more interviews. And um, and uh, began to write things up. So the, um, the decision about what stories to include was a real mixture of just stories I felt were really powerful, um, stories that would represent the sections that were revealing itself to me mm-hmm. and how the book is organized. Um, and honestly, at the end of the day, just timing. Like at a certain point, your manuscript is due and you're just out of time to write up any other stories for consideration. So, um, and I also had at the beginning kind of a, a wish list of uh-huh. things that I wanted to talk to people about. Like I had on my wish list from the beginning, I wanted to talk to someone who had um, quit trying to become a parent. And, I love that one. Uh, I thought that was so really, powerful, right? really interesting. And yeah. I, the she refers towards the end, you know, when they've made that decision, mm-hmm. um, you know, that they could either be comfortable in being a childless couple yeah. or just keep on agonizing over this and uh, the child that isn't there. Yes. And I thought that was a really profound way to put it. Yeah. She was like, I'm done living my life for a child that, that isn't, isn't here. There. Yeah. Yeah. And that was really powerful. And, and she was someone I just happened through like a network find like two weeks before my manuscript was due. Oh, wow. And I was like, let's talk. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That was a really good one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it was definitely kind of remaining open, you know, to, to other things com- coming in. But um, uh, yeah. And then in terms of the the structure and like the genre, um, I think I did, I did always anticipate it being, well, I'll take that back. Not always. And initially I thought I might be more of an editor role. Yeah. Like I would collect other people's first hand written stories or else I would write them up in first person and they would edit and approve them. But the authorship program I was going through was like, no, that means you're not the author. And this is an authorship program. Gotcha. And I was like, ah, the difference between an editor and an author. Mm-hmm. Now I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, just like, ah, the difference between a contractor and a designer. Right. <laughs> now I get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that that really, I had a, a little mini pivot to think about. And at the end of the day, I was I was okay so long as these people I was speaking to were okay with me telling their stories, like from from my perspective, like with their direct quotes, but with my my kind of commentary and like taking away lessons from their stories, mm-hmm. you know, um, and combining the lessons that they showed me with some of my personal lessons from going through maybe similar experiences or similar reframes about quitting you know and so um yeah and so I think at the end of the day it was um I learned so much more about quitting you know myself um than I went into like I went into it with this kind of simplistic like quitting is good let's remove the stigma and the shame and then as you see in the book it really intersects with so many aspects of life and society and family and culture and it's a yeah it's a universal shame that seems to exist 
Just the just the word itself. We were talking about this last mm. week. That that just the word itself, four letter word, and it yeah. just like quit. It just like yeah. bleh, I love right? hard consonants. Like... Yeah, <laughs> for someone who has four O's in her first name. Oh right, <laughs> <laughs> give me a consonant. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, that's I wanted great. to ask about that because um, that took me a long time to shift. Yeah. To because I um, you kind of poke fun at uh, Christina, the one who left the circus. <laughs> you kind of. The, the narrator kind of pokes fun yeah. at uh, the words that the euphem, you, the way you I say I retired, I left behind, I why pivoted. Are, <laughs> so why is it important to you that it's called quitting and not using the other words that we have yeah. that have their nuances? You know, yeah. some imply leaving something bad, leaving something good. You know, can we have all these different words. Why did quit stick out to you as useful? Yeah, I think, well, I happen to be just a pretty direct person. Like, I'm I'm not even, my, my ex-husband used to tease me. Uh, I'm born and raised in America, by the way. But I, I do not like cliches <laughs> or like idiomatic phrases. I'm like, just say what you mean. Uh-huh, just say uh-huh. what you mean. Simple language, you know. <laughs> and so he used to tease me, be like, are you sure you were raised in this country? <laughs> like, you don't know what that idiomatic phrase is. And I'm like... I say what I mean. I don't need to cover it up in an idiomatic <laughs> phrase, you know? And so so I think me being me, I am supportive of, you know, using direct language, you know? And um, I think, I don't think there's, I don't think there's harm in using those alternative phrases, except if it's concealing the empowered choice and agency that we have in our lives, Right. I think something like leaving behind or retire, there's kind of like a, a passivity to it, hmm. you know, that kind of like yeah. relieves you of like the burden of choice, hmm. you know? And, but to me, choice is like a privilege, right? It's, right? it's an amazing thing. And, you know, one of the big lessons in the book is that like quitting is a choice, but so is not quitting, right? you know? And so I think there's a lot of people, unfortunately, who are just living their lives with inertia and not not only not making a choice, but not realizing that by staying put, they are making a choice. And so they're not evaluating, is that choice to stay put right for you? Mm-hmm. You know, and so I think these, um, I mean, I work in innovation. I use the word pivot all the time. Yeah. Rapid prototype all the time, you know. Um, but I think the the core original word is quitting something, mm. you know. And so I wanted to tackle like why there's stigma and shame to it. And I think the stigma and shame from many places comes from basically just people taking ownership and agency over their lives. And that can be very transgressive and revolutionary and uncomfortable for some people. Uncomfortable for mm-hmm. other people, right? To um to see someone else doing that when they're like, I can't do that, you know? And and it's a, a big part of like, you know, well, whose fears are you living your life? Based on. I think that really was screaming in mm. the quitting being a doctor. Yes. I thought oh, that was Yvonne. very interesting that even mm-hmm. that was her her in-laws who and her husband who had a big problem with it, right? Yeah. Um well, well her own family as well. Right. So, but yeah. I thought that was interesting that she was kind of ready to say, she was kind of comfortable to say, I know my family's uncomfortable with it. Yeah. But they've been uncomfortable with many things yes. I've chosen. <laughs> yes. You know, um, but then for her in-laws to be uncomfortable with that was interesting. Yeah. And I think her story as well, you know, Yvonne um, oh yeah, was a hyper-achieving, just yeah. self-described dynamo, you know, like could do no wrong, like in med school and like running a nonprofit while she was in med school oh, and wow. just like, 
um, and is uh, by any measure of imagination successful, right? And um, and doing what was the right thing in accordance with her family's expectations of her. And and I think I think her story of ultimately quitting being a doctor um, is such a powerful example of just trade offs, right? I mean, as a near direct result of her choice to quit being a doctor, she lost her husband. She and her kids were homeless, living out of her car for a few months, you know? And and yet, she's like, no regrets. Mm-hmm. No regrets, you know? And so um, I think it's a really powerful understanding of like knowing your trade-offs and knowing what your values are. And quitting very often can be uh, an act that is in service of your values. Awesome. <laughs> That's so great. Do you have another one in you? Or are you going to write a second? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> my, my friend Katie... Love her. Sent me flowers the week that my book was published. And her her note said, congratulations on your first book. And I was like, oh, my God, first book? Oh, my God. What a horrible thing to say I to know. me. It's like, oh. Well, I definitely have enough content for a second book. Right. <laughs> and I, I definitely have ideas for, like, thematic next volumes could be. But, you know, first I have to make more than 200 bucks off this first book. So, <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see what the, if I can, uh, the first book can fund the second book. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Right, right yeah. on. Thank you so much. Yeah. This has been so great. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And where can we get the book? Oh, uh, it's available on Amazon and also on Bookshop. So if you want to support your local bookstores, Bookshop, Bookshop oh, is a great resource. Yeah. And it's available in ebook and paperback right now. And I believe in August is when the hardcover will come out. Oh, nice. Congratulations. Thank you so much. That's pretty exciting. That's awesome. It's been great talking to you. Likewise. It's so much fun. Thanks for joining us. It was great. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, Amy. Thank you, Alicia. This podcast is sponsored by AmyWorks, a residential remodeling contractor in Seattle. We want to help you realize the dream of your next kitchen, bath, or basement remodel. Check out some of our work on our website, amyworks.com. Give us a call at 206-478-2019 or send us an email at help at amyworks.com.